Good day, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and a best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. The premise is simple. The podcast, if you've been if you've been uh, joining us uh, in these episodes, you understand that we provide provide you with insights for living and leading the authentic way, so that you'll be better equipped to amplify your positive impact as a difference maker in any area of your life. We'll cover a variety of topics related to authenticity. We'll hear stories of how authentic leaders come to be, who they are, and we will create a platform for you to submit questions that you'd like us to address on all the different topics that we talk about here, as well as in my books. What's uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley, and I'm super excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are both so passionate about. So welcome, everybody. Welcome, Haley. Good to see you again. Always good to see you, Dad. Your there. day was was good, looking after those uh, high school students as they wind oh. down their year. Oh, we're getting so close to the end. We're at this point where they are, on one hand, motivated to just finish, but on the other hand, more motivated to just be outside and not doing work. So it's uh it's it's hard because we're almost at the end. We're like I think three weeks left of classes, but it's uh the push, man. It's a push for everybody, not just students, but me too. <laughs> this is a character building exercise for everybody. Oh. oh my god, resiliency. Can you push through the warm weather and the you know dreaming about patio drinks while you're you know trying to just get the year done? Woo. One could argue that that's as important as the content. Pushing through this is as important as the content yeah. that they learn or not learn in the classroom. Sure, we, we always learning. used to say we should never let going. You should never let going to class get in the way of your education. Yes, and I think that is absolutely the case in in this way because they are really not motivated to do much work. It's very hard, but that's fair. Also, I am not motivated to do much work, so can I really blame them? <laughs> But we do it anyway. All right. Well, we have an interesting topic today, one that's probably not on the forefront of everyone's thinking, and that is the topic of grief. And we're going to talk about why grief is integral to authenticity and just have a conversation about some of the dimensions of grief and how it opens up our humanity. So, do you want to kick us off, Haley? Uh, You sent me a video this week yeah. an interview and maybe we could start there by that this is what created the impetus for uh for my thinking that we might do a podcast on grief yeah so it was a video i stumbled on um it's it's a couple years old i guess i think it's from um you know a couple years old i believe like from 2019 or so um and it's an interview of stephen colbert and anderson cooper uh and they just sort of talk about you know the importance of of grief and, and losing, like, losing family members and loss. Um, and, uh, it was just really like, I've always liked Stephen Colbert. I find him very articulate, um, and, and just very thoughtful and, and incredibly smart with the way he uses language and, and explores those kind of things. And it was just a really beautiful conversation. I felt, um, for to have like even two men, um, having this very vulnerable, open conversation about grief and, and gratitude for grief and just being really emotionally vulnerable with each other. And that was my first thought when I was watching it is like how rare, um, that is to see these two men who are, my guess is in their fifties, I would guess forties, fifties, sixties, 
right? Um, sitting down and just being open about these, these really heavy emotional topics uh, and about their experience with them. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was immediately why I, I sent it to you, dad, because I thought you'd, you'd appreciate it. Um, but uh, yeah. And so, and I also too, I just want to preface, like, I'm, I'm quite lucky, as you know, dad, I'm, I've been quite fortunate and, and privileged in my time that I haven't had to undergo um, significant loss in my life, touch wood. Um, so, so obviously like, you know, I, I don't have the same personal experience that some other people might. Um, and I know there is importance of, of grieving in terms of, you know, life changes and things like that. I think it's also part of the human experience, but, um, so even though that, you know, this, this interview didn't speak deeply to me in terms of something I could relate to, I was really just sort of taken aback about the, um, you know, the, the, I guess how they how these two men explored it and finding gratitude for the pain and and loss and and how you overcome it. Well, I I, I think when when we mention the word grief, I think the immediate thought that comes up is death. Mm -hmm. Where have you grieved someone's death? But I also think that grief is a part of life. Mm -hmm. And we actually have to everything you're, you're approaching the end of a school year. Grade 12s are graduating. Mm -hmm. They're moving on. Mm -hmm. That's an end of an era. It's an end of 12 plus years of education. There's a loss there. And we typically look forward. But my experience is that unless I'm not, I don't want to fabricate loss, but unless we, my bias is, and research will support this, but my bias from an authenticity perspective, if we don't acknowledge the losses, they build up inside. If we don't acknowledge them and let them go, we don't make room for something else to emerge. And so all growth, whether it's letting go of old, you know, the snake lets go of its old skin so that a new skin can emerge. Our bodies are continually discarding old cells. We it, loss is a part of life, and if we and if we discard or diminish or deny that, we miss an opportunity to deepen. And what authenticity is, it's about the deepening experience. Now the. So loss from an authenticity perspective is what we call a primary feeling. It's, it's like fear. It's like pain. It's like when we feel dismissed, disregarded. It's a primary feeling. Historically, men have not done well with primary feelings. And so what we do, it, and, and that's, a, that's a sweeping generalization, but as a society, I wonder how we've been doing with primary feelings. If we don't deal with the primary feelings in our life, they go to secondary feelings. And the primary, the main secondary feeling is anger. And so if, if we just watch in the last three years and through this pandemic, there isn't a person in this society that has not experienced some loss during the pandemic. Even the loss of spontaneity we couldn't just call a friend and say, let's go for a coffee. Um, we, we, lost, um, we lost loved ones. You and I, you lost a grandma during the pandemic. And we couldn't be there fully to have the full, a full funeral. We were limited. There's, that's a loss on top of a loss. 
And so, you know, we, we lost some freedoms during the pandemic in order to work for the greater good. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It's not a judgment. It simply is a statement of fact. And my question is, what did you do? And I'm, I'm going to ask our listeners, what did you do with the losses that you've experienced in the last three years? What have you done with the losses that you've had in your life? How have you grieved? There's no right or wrong way, but I do know if we don't face the losses, they'll go underground and they will come out in a secondary, indirect way. They'll either come out as depression, where we have mental health challenges, where we, where we take the anger against ourselves, or it will turn into divisiveness and anger in our society. And we see this in spades. We see impatience increased impatience. These are all indicators of unacknowledged loss and unacknowledged primary feelings. As we say in the family violence uh, area, violence is what happens when we don't know what to do with our suffering. And so if we don't face the suffering and bring it out, and you, it, there's nothing to fix. It's a matter of acknowledging it and embracing it and leaning into it so that it deepens us. And then a new self will emerge that's deeper and wiser and kinder. And this is what I call the authentic journey. And I, what I really like about that too, and this was something that was was touched on um, in that interview with Stephen Colbert and Anderson Cooper, was you, know, you, you will have, anytime you go through a grief, you will have almost like two senses of self, right? That the, the, the you before this dramatic life event loss, what have you, and the you after, right? And, and it's, it's realizing that that you before is not the same as you after, right? That that loss has profoundly changed you in some way, right? And it's, it's important to sort of mourn the loss of who you were before and the ideas that you had and, and, you know, things like security, stability, um, things like that, what have you, right? Depending on the loss, um, and to mourn those and, and to accept them and, you know, to, to acknowledge how important they were. And also to try to realize that going back to that place is not, it, it's, it's not realistic. It's not feasible, right? It's, it's about being in the here and now since having gone through that loss. Right. And, and, you know, like I, I keep, I think about this in terms of work, right. And in terms of, um, the loss that we, we faced, it's like, at, you know, I, I think about in terms of school, right. At working as a teacher, um, and the, the, the grief that is coming up in terms of the, the loss of everything that happened with COVID, like we still are trying to return to a uh, pre COVID life, but we're really struggling with it. Right. And, and we're struggling with it in terms of productivity, in terms of motivation, priorities. Um, and we're, we're still trying to return to that before place. Right. But you can't, it's not realistic. We're not that same society. We're not that same world as we were in 2019, Right. And so, yeah, I think it's just like giving that, you know, giving yourself permission to have the space for the two selves uh, and to realize that they're two separate selves, the before and the after. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's important to say goodbye to the before because that before won't happen again, but that's okay. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Right. And, 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 you know, knowing that the, you know, everything that can come after that is, is um, just as valuable, if not more so, because they've undergone this really important experience. One of the things that I've been asked to do in the last year is to go into organizations and do grief counseling as a result of emerging out of the pandemic. And essentially, all we do is that we tell stories. What was your story of the pandemic? 
Mm-hmm. We want to all move on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and what authenticity is the courage to face reality. And if the reality is you've experienced some losses, then let's deal with those losses. So we tell the story, what happened? And we take a little inventory of the losses that we've been through. And everyone has a story of something that they had to give up during the pandemic. And it's a healing journey. It's a, it, it's a healing process for people to acknowledge those and just bring them out into the open. You, you can't fix anything. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to straighten out. There, there's nothing to solve. It's a simple acknowledgement. This is what I experienced and this is how it felt. And then as in the process of opening it up, as we call the authentic journey, it's defined as embracing a time of great difficulty and loss, allowing the pain to break us open so that a stronger, wiser, and kinder self can emerge. And this is the work of authenticity is to embrace it. And I was even thinking too, like, you know, thinking about like how we embrace it. Like there's something deeply, like if I, if I look at like in terms of anthropology, right. Um, we still require ritual. That is such an important part. Right. But that ritual, like what that ritual is, is, is an individual is up to the individual. Right. But like you look at in terms of death, right. Like different cultures have, have different um, approaches to death and dying in terms of how they um, have closure for a life uh, and how they remember that life and acknowledge that life, but also how they come together as a community uh, for those who are still alive, right? Those who've gone through, uh, you know, who, who've undergone that loss together, right? And so I think there is something profoundly important about that, um, about finding some sort of ritual for for you if you've got over undergone some, any kind of any kind of loss, loss of job, loss of you know a loved one. Um, a, a change in routines, you know, like, you know, even honestly a bad breakup, uh, a loss of a pet, right. Any of these, these significant life, um, changes, right. Uh, in order to grieve through it authentically, it, it's finding, um, giving space for ritual and community. Right. And so that ritual might be, you know, like I think about like some of my breakups, you know, how important it was to collect all of those belongings. Right. And not to say that loss of life is the same as a breakup. I really don't want to diminish the, you know, the, 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 the hardship of that, right? Um, but if we look at you know grief broadly, right, it, it's finding ways of of connecting with people who who are sharing in that loss um, to remember, to reminisce, and to acknowledge, uh, and then to find some sort of ritual to overcome it, right? And so whether that's a celebration or a party uh, or a funeral or you know sharing stories or um, journaling and introspection. Um, or even just giving yourself permission, um, to, to cry and, and grieve and talk about it and, and things like that. It's very easy to minimize Mm -hmm. the loss and compare it to another loss. This, well, I didn't have the kind of loss you had, Mm -hmm. um, but what's required here. And I totally agree that all healthy cultures have rituals around loss. I do a lot of work in the funeral industry. And what we find in that industry is a tremendous amount of humanity and the ability for these funeral directors to be able to be with people in times of acute loss. What I'm hearing in the funeral industry is that people are writing more and more. There's a real trend to not have funerals today and to have the, you know, to talk to any, at any funeral home, there are uh, rows and rows of unclaimed urns Hmm. uh, of remains. And so what's what is going on in our world it, you know when we 
when we write in our will, and I, again, I don't, I don't want to make a judgment about this, but I have a bias toward leaning into our losses. Never miss an opportunity to attend a funeral. I mean, I would not recommend we create one, but never miss the opportunity when you have any kind of friend, a loved one, to go to a funeral. And, and we miss a, a huge opportunity to come together in a community, and as you say, in that ritual, to grieve that loss and to celebrate the life because we're, we're, we're together. The joy of the memory and the loss of the event of the person and when those two are integrated, and I'm not, I'm not really a fan of closure because we always continue. We don't get over grief. What we do is that we learn to be with it and we allow it to deepen us. Uh, it's not something that we just move past. Uh, we don't, grief is not a pathology. There's nothing wrong with grief. It's part of the humanity of life and it's part of the authentic journey. But when we deny that aspect of us, and when we write in a will that I don't want a, a funeral, we forget the whole purpose. It's not for the person who's gone. It's for the community to, to honor the person who was alive. And I think so often, I think, like, and it's funny, like, I know, like, within a lot of ways, like, the funeral industry, like, like, if you look at the wedding industry, right, like, it's very easy in our world to spend money on a lot of things. But I think like there are ways of doing it that still achieve the same goal, collecting people together as a community, right? And that, that you know, and, and we can challenge some of those like norms that we've done for, 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 you know, millennia, right? We can challenge some of those ways of remembering and we can find a new modern way of doing it, right? Like that's the, um, you know, functionalist approach in terms of sociology or anthropology, right? It's looking at the purpose of it, of, of whatever it is, right? And saying in order for this thing to remain, it has to either change and adapt or it'll die, right? But I think like the ritual of grief and of loss and coming together as a community, it has to change, right? And so, so, but that doesn't mean it's, it, it can, it doesn't mean it's not going to die out. So if we look at, you know, um, you know, what funerals were, you know, hundred years ago, they're not going to be the same as funerals now, but I think that doesn't mean there's no place for a funeral, right? There's no place for grieving the loss. We just have to look at, you know, what makes the most sense for that individual. And, and that's the authentic piece of it as well, right? It's, it's understanding, you know, um, what the people alive need. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean some sort of super traditional, very strict um, ceremony. It could just be, you know, a get together with friends, right? Depending on, depending on what, what it is, you know? Oh, yes. There's no prescription here for what that ritual should look like. It's got, except that it should be very meaningful. It needs to be very meaningful. For the people who are designing it. So I just want to be very personal for a, a moment here and not just rationalize this. But you know, I've been through a few significant losses. That's the one thing that comes with age is the older you get, the more losses you experience and the deeper you have an opportunity to take those losses. So I've been through the loss of both my parents. I went through the loss of my brother. I, I, I went through taking care of my brother. I didn't do the heavy lifting, but I looked after my brother, subbed off the, the caregivers. He was able to die in his home, but for three and a half years while he was dying of cancer. Um, his, his dying really awakened my living. I had an opportunity to bathe him and feed him and shave him, massage his feet, stuff I never thought I would ever do with my brother. And that experience 
was very impactful. What I realized in that experience is the preciousness of life. His dying awakened in me the importance of being present to life. I mean, we can question why do why does life end? Why do, how why is it in this human experience that we have this 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 mystery of death? Well, it's what makes life precious is the deep and profound awareness that life won't last forever. It's like when you buy a rose. What makes that rose precious is that it won't be here three days from now, four days from now. It will deteriorate. So it's precious. You say, well, why don't we go to the dollar store and buy it for a dollar, buy a plastic rose, and then you never have to buy a rose again. That rose has no value because it will outlive the person that you give it to. Plastic will live longer than any human, human experience. So it no longer has value. Things that last forever no longer have value. What paradoxically might makes life precious is that it doesn't last forever. It has an ending point. And what's important is to, from an authentic perspective, is to keep the end in mind. I mean, it's, it's a paradox because you don't want to be walking around thinking about dying all the time because you'll avoid living. But in the back of your mind, we want to keep in mind that, you know what, nobody gets out of this world alive and that death is going to be a part of the journey. And that paradoxically is what makes life so precious because that sunset that comes, that goes tonight, there will never be another sunset like that. There will never be that opportunity to experience the sun going down that way. And if we could begin to appreciate and value the preciousness of the moment, that's what makes life wonderful. And it's the dying that actually awakens us to living. And I've learned that through my own experience, my own, you know, going through the grief of my parents and my brother and a mentor that I lost during the pandemic, and my mother-in-law. I mean, the list goes on, but every one of those experiences took me a little deeper into my appreciation and value of life. Well, and I think, like, I think about, like, that temp te temporal kind of piece of it, too, right? Like, that, like, that's why I love the theater and live music, because that exact performance will never exist again right? The first time you read a book, well, that will never happen again, right? Uh, you know, high school, like I see these kids graduating from high school and what a monumental occasion that is, right? Because for them, that is like the one experience that they will never have again, right? And so it's it's so important to, you know, even as it's so easy to get down into the trenches of, of, of life and things like that, right? But to, you know, remember that, you know, beauty is in the, the preciousness is in the temporary, temporary, it is in the it is in the fact that you know the best days of our lives are you know things like weddings and 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 you know births of children and things like that right that these these moments that only last for a day if you will right and so you know I, I think just appreciating that while we have it if that makes sense one hundred percent I mean what are you telling these kids embrace this time yeah. how many how how many of us hear ourselves saying Oh, I can hardly wait till this year gets over. I can hardly wait to get out of high school. Mm -hmm. And then when you get out of high school, you 
you wonder, you know, uh, you grieve it. <laughs> you grieve it. I want to go back. It's like when, when, uh, I remember the first year in college when you went to the University of Saskatchewan and we drove you out to the university and, you know, we were all really grateful to see you go and, and, uh, and, and, and grateful to see you launch into this new life and just grateful to see you. And then I came home and I went into your bedroom and I sat on your bed and just sat and cried for 10 minutes and just grieved that this will never be the same again. And, and um, it's important to stay real. That's what it means to live a full life is to stay real with those emotions because when we can embrace the loss, we can fully embrace the joy and and support those who are being real with their own emotions and their own loss right because you know everyone will go through a different loss differently at different points in their life right and so it's it's being it's supporting people as they as they talk and are vulnerable about their own losses being there as a community like reaching out to each other um accepting and acknowledging the loss in your life and then also reaching out and you know hanging tight to the people around you and supporting them because community is also essential so what do you do with your high school students uh to help them embrace the loss and the celebration of these last 12 plus years um because it's a celebration of yeah. education it's a celebration of this era and at the same time it's an embracing of the loss and it's an embracing of the new adventure going forward but they can't fully experience the, the adventure until they've experienced the taste of the loss. What is your thought about that as a teacher? Um, I mean, we have, like, I think that this is where that one year where we, we really like the, the other, so there's a couple of years where we really had to modify graduation because of COVID. You really realize like how important that night is uh, not just for the graduates, but also for the families and for teachers right? Because it's a whole community of people that have raised this kid from, you know, the time that they were birthed until they, they graduate, right? Like that's 18 years. There's a lot of people involved in, in that raising of that child. And the graduation ceremony is essential for all of those people to come together, not just for the kids. It's about the kid. Yes, absolutely. But it's also about parents and teachers and administrators, right? Who, who have helped and passed this kid along year to year to year. Right. And so it's so important for that. Um, we also have a really unique experience at our school and that our school goes from like 18 months to 18 years. And so we have our own graduation on the like by the playground that they grew up on. So kids who started at the program uh, in daycare are graduating on the same hill that they learned to toboggan on that they, you know, they, they had recess in an elementary school. Right. Um, not all the kids, obviously some came and joined us up along the way, but that's a really important thing too. Right. And, and I think like, you know, we've done different things, different years, but the ones that I really enjoy are when kids are able to use the childhood books that they looked at and read, uh, when they were kids and find ways of, of using that and bringing that forward into graduation. So sometimes they'll write, um, a little, a little like quote from their favorite Dr. Seuss book on their graduation cap and some way of like connecting that, like who they were to who they are. Um, but it's also kind of a unique thing, like you said, right? Like this, like graduation is a celebration. It's not really a grieving yet. The grieving almost happens arguably on the first day of, of set or like that first September day, not maybe not September 1st, but that first day in September when they're not going back to public school or, or private school or what have you, like um, when they're going off to their post-secondary life, 
right? That's almost when the grieving happens because generally like that's when they have to be on their own. They don't have that community around them that's been there the whole time, right? Their parents aren't with them necessarily, right? Their teachers that have been with them the whole way aren't there. Their friends that they grew up with aren't there, right? And so it's a kind of a weird thing with high school graduation because the celebration happens and then the grieving and the loss, right? And and the celebration so like it's such a bittersweet thing with grad too because it's like it's summer, it's the beginning of summer, everyone's like dressed up really nicely. It's it's a big party, but they haven't really realized yet. Like I think they're just still in this like, yeah, we done, we did it. They're in that kind of mentality as opposed to like and that's just the atmosphere of it, right? Which I think is a good thing, right? Because I think it's about it's celebrating everything that they've done, all their accomplishments. Um, but I think there is an element perhaps that's that's missing about that that loss. But I don't really know how we culturally get around that. But I guess what we do see though, at, at least I'm really lucky too, is that we have a lot of students who come back and visit uh, throughout the years. And I think that's a really important moment of, of them coming back and, and thanking us and telling us what they're up to. And sometimes it's just reaching out in an email uh, and things like that. Cause I think that's a, that's a nice little acknowledgement of where you've come. Right. But yeah. Well, you certainly don't want to turn graduation into a funeral. Mm-mm. But you do want to plant a seed just exactly to tell that story to say, you know, this is a time to celebrate, mm-hmm. but then you're going to hit, you know, they're going to hit milestones going forward. And it's okay to have to tear up the first of September when you when you're not going back to class. It's okay to touch that part of you that feels lost. And that's, you know, by reminding them of that, even just in the class, and I, w- I would suggest if I were to give a graduation speech, I would, Im- I would just remind them of that. It's not unlike a funeral. Mm-hmm. Very often in a funeral, you're so busy organizing, which you need to, it's so healing to just be busy organizing. Um, I know we're having a celebration for your mom's brothers dying this winter. We're having a celebration of his life when all the siblings can be together. And it's been so healing for your mom to work, you know, to design the little um, uh, sheet, you know, that has a story of, uh, you know, he's, he's, she's been talking to all the siblings and gathering it and telling the story and writing about his life. It's very healing. But you get very busy at organizing the event, which is necessary. But where the real grieving often happens, usually happens in a funeral, is when all the family goes back home and all the friends leave and you're sitting by yourself and you're facing your own emotions. That's when, the, you know, it, it typically, it's so busy during the, the ceremony and the ritual that the grieving happens afterwards. And so I, I would suggest you might want to just plant that seed with your students just to say, don't, don't diminish it if it surfaces and comes up because it's certainly just share your own experience about that. Well, and even too, I see it with like grade 11s right now, because they're a year out, right? And they start to sense that fear of like, oh my God, I only have a year left, right? And so I think that's also a good message for them too, to, to remind them about the, the, the you know, the, the beauty of the preciousness of the temporary right? And this is the last year you're ever going to be with this group of people, right? And and to just embrace that instead of stressing about what the next step is, it's about embracing what's here and now. And that is a beautiful message to give in this last leg of the marathon uh, mm-hmm. to get through these next couple of, well, I guess, what have you got about a month left mm-hmm. uh, before, before they finish to remind them to embrace the moment. And this is a not easy 
when we're all, you know, in the middle of exams and getting our our grades together and marking papers and writing papers and getting all that together, just like the busyness of life, we all have to stop. And, you know, and I think this moves into our gratitude, unless there's anything that you else you wanted to add to this. I'm very grateful today Mm -hmm. that my busy life can pause for this half an hour Mm -hmm. for me to connect with something important and deep and what's meaningful in life, which is to touch some of my grief and to touch some of my loss, because again, paradoxically, I'm going to walk away from this of just valuing and appreciating my life a little more. And I hope that that's the message that we conveyed to our listeners to just pause when the grief is there. You don't have to fabricate it. Life will be full of loss, but just pause long enough to experience it so that you don't just gloss over it and miss the opportunity. Definitely. I echo that too. Um, and just grateful to, to just have that reminder of like to pause and to wait and to reflect. Right. And, um, I was just listening to a beautiful podcast on self-care and like actual real self-care that could be a podcast for later. Um, but they said like the first step isn't bubble baths and spas. It's, it's setting barriers and what a barrier is, is just to pause. That's all it is. It's giving yourself pause, uh, and permission to pause um, and boundaries rather, sorry. So not barriers, sorry, boundaries. Right. And so, so it's that, you know, permission to pause and appreciate and be grateful. Right. So that's what I'm grateful for too. Well, I hope that we have, uh, opened the heart of our listeners this afternoon. You've certainly opened my heart in this conversation. Thanks for being willing Haley to have this uh, dialogue. Likewise, dad, likewise. So Take be care. real. Stay real. <laughs> <laughs>